Welcome to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. Join us to learn simple, accessible ways that the seasons, moon phases, and astrology can help you finally create a spiritual self-care practice you can be consistent with. I'm your host, Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Lupin Hollow. I'm a practicing witch, a certified astrologer, and a published author. And I'm on a mission to help modern witches like you nourish your mind, body, and intuition so you can be your most magical self all day, every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. I'm here today with Jamie Della, who is the author of 10 books and has a new book coming out called A Box of Magic. Uh, she writes two blogs. Uh, she writes columns for magazines and offers rituals, seasonal insight, um, and inspiration to dance with your inner witch in her free newsletter. Thank you so much for being here, Jamie. Thank you, Tanae. I'm so excited to be looking at your face and hanging out with you. Like we said, we've been circling and orbiting each other for a while, for a couple of years. So it's it's really neat to, sh to chat with you. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. Um, well, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Okay, thank you. Um, thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate uh, being part of Empowered Witch Community. I think that's really important. My first book came out in 2000 called The Wicca Cookbook. And that was really the start of my, my life as a public witch doing public rituals at pagan pride events very, very early on being one of the few witches in Barnes and Noble or other mainstream places standing up for witches and for our lifestyle. And so it's been a long journey and I'm so happy and grateful to still be relevant, to still have a new book that just came out and still have wonderful things to say. This My new book is called A Box of Magic, as you said, with these long subtitles. So <laughs> the long subtitle is A Guided Journey to Crafting a Magical Life Through Witchcraft, Ritual Herbalism, and Spellcrafting. And, you know, one of the things that I think is relevant to your readers is kind of to discuss this idea of ritual herbalism. And, and what is that? Like, how is that any different than green magic or did you just relabel something <laughs> you know and to a certain degree i i feel like it is just kind of repurposing a similar concept as green witchcraft or hedge witchcraft or even folk witchcraft this idea of your experience as part of what's really how you live the magic is including it in your everyday life but the ritual herbalism is that you study herbalism just like anybody else would just like an herbalist who's a naturopath might do it, where you learn the constituents, you learn its their properties, but you also pay attention to this innate spirit that lives in each plant and that you can connect with. And the more that you develop that relationship with a plant, the more that it will call to you so that when you're feeling stressed out, oat straws over there in the corner going, hey, make a tea out of me, or your lavender essential oil is calling to you because, you know, sometimes we'll say, oh, I love this land. I love Hawaii, or I love the desert. It calls to me. So therefore we understand land spirits. So plant allies are the same way and they can call out to us. We're not just looking for them. It's about a reciprocal relationship. And to me, that's really important because it combines the science of true herbalism with the 
uh, empirical witchcraft mystery of that relationship with the plant spirits themselves. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that it's something that gets overlooked a lot, right? When we learn about herbalism, we tend to learn about it from the more kind of like healing scientific side, which is so important. And there's so, I mean, you could spend multiple lifetimes learning about that. Absolutely. Um, it's endless, but I think we tend to kind of brush over the more spiritual side. Um, you know, it, it gets reduced to just a list of correspondences and that's it. So I think, you know, when I, I don't even know when I first came across the term plant ally, um, it was probably, oh, you know, Alexis Cunning folk, um, from Warts and Cunning. Um, I took courses from Alexis a very long time ago. Like there's some of the first courses I ever took, um, in these subjects and I think maybe it was from Alexis, but I remember that term just really sticking with me and being like, oh, that feels so different than, you know, working with plants as just a tool. Yeah. Because, you know, we often will say that like, you know, everything from, I used lavender in this salve, or I used cannabis today, or I used basil. But if I was talking to you today, I wouldn't say I used you for a podcast. Like that just, you just, we wouldn't say that we wouldn't, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have that level of reciprocity. And yeah. So if you go in the scientific stage, they don't really talk about the spiritual stuff. And then you, maybe you talk to witches and they're like, well, I just go to the botanica and I get my herbs there. And I'm like the dried ones, the ones that like you wouldn't even cook with because there's not enough life force in it to have flavor. Why would you use a dried herb that, that has been sitting on a shelf for years and years and years, why wouldn't you go to the farmer, to an herb farmer, just like you would go to a farmer's market to get the freshest strawberries. If you really needed to cleanse your space and you wanted some mugwort, why wouldn't you just go get some fresh mugwort? Why wouldn't you look that? And I don't think that people recognize that we can do that. And we're so scared out of taking care of ourselves with herbs or whatever that we're like, oh, no, no, no. I have inflammation. Have you tried nettles tea? Why would I do that? Because it's good for it. You know? <laughs> and because you can have a, that relationship. And I feel like, you know, nettles is kind of a spiky personality. The spirit of nettles is kind of spiky. You go in there harvesting without consciousness, that folic acid is going to end up all over your fingers. You know, if you, but when you work with a plant, I was taught to sing to the plants when I harvest, I was taught to ask their permission for their medicine. So that way too, their medicine is really sending up the shoots. And I sing composting songs if I'm going to harvest a lot and, and even to the weeds to let them know you're going into the, the compost. You will be, you are an essential part of my life, even though I don't want you right here. <laughs> so, so I feel like, and to me, I was, uh, my grandmother. So my mother's mother died the month before I was born and we're Mexican. And that's a big deal, you know, to have that connection to the spirit world. I always say, she's like my grandma Coco, you know, someone I always spoke with. So for me, I grew up talking to the spirits in a very common way. Like I could be talking to my grandmother's photograph. My mom could be walking by. Do you want tacos for dinner? Yeah. Thank you. And then you just keep talking. Like it wasn't weird. It wasn't different. And then, um, I feel like that was the opening that opened the door for me to say, okay, if I can speak to a spirit that I cannot see that is on the other side of the veil, 
then I, then I could speak to the fae energy. I can speak to the energy of the plants, the energy of the lake, the energy of all these spirits that are constantly around us. I could engage in a conversation with nature and the cosmos, because I know you're very, you do astrology. My, I, another grandmother was a psychic tarot reader and medium. She used to cruise. She used to be the, the resident psychic on the princess cruise lines in the seventies and the eighties. I mean, I I was always, I mean, she wore these Ginate, she wore Ginate perfume and these um, leopard skin mumus and like big chunky jewelry, like Frida Kailu. And she'd get, if she ever got pulled over by a policeman, she would tell him that she was um, trying to escape from someone who had just flashed her. And if they didn't believe her, she had this really strong Southern accent. She would just say, you know what? All you, all you policemen are just criminals from a past life, making up for your bad karma. Cause she figured she was getting the ticket anyways. You know what I mean? Incredible. <laughs> right. So you just, I just always had these bolder than life people that just allowed this real, um, ne- not nebulous, but like moving. I'm like, if I could explain this, I always work, talk with my hands and it doesn't do any good for me on podcast, but, <laughs> <I'm the same. laughs> but it just, you know, it just made it so that nature was a friend and there was these plant allies that you could have. And that these plant allies, to me, I like, I introduce them one at a time, because otherwise, if I have too many herbs growing in my garden, I feel like the old woman with this in the shoe with all all too many children didn't know what to do, because you don't know what each one wants, because you're trying to take care of the entire garden. So when I bring home my plants, I bring them in one at a time. And then I try to sit with them and observe what are like, what's 10 things I can observe about this plant that's growing. You know, does it, does it, how does it move to the sun? How big is the yellow center of a chamomile? Just all the different aspects, just like talking with you. I'd be like, oh, she's got the most beautiful red hair. Oh, look at that widow's peak. She's so cute. And just, you know, like, and you would just like have this relation, like a true relationship with the plant. And that when you take it, I have a motherwort tincture that was, uh, came from a plant that I planted when I first divorced my husband, because I needed that motherwort energy. So I planted her, I carried, I carried the tincture with me. And then eventually I made my own tincture and I can imagine that plant and sitting with her when I take the tincture. And I feel that that really adds to the energy and the potency of my magic and my medicine. Definitely. There is definitely something so magical, even, you know, even though it's not possible all the time and not possible for everyone, like there's something so magical about being able to like tend a plant from planting it to actually working with it in, in an herbalist form. Um, Right. But we can't always do it or whatever. We can't always, but when we can, it's so like, there's just something so special about that. And it's really like the first time I did it, I bought the plant at the women's herbal symposium in Northern California that bought the, the motherwort and it sat in my backyard. And then I went to the nat- natural food store and I bought the tincture. I didn't make it the first time, you know, like, it, and then sometimes it just sat in my purse, just like a friend that you might have on hold, <laughs> like on the phone, like you're going to go into the doctor's appointment or something, right. And you're, you're going to go into some big deal and you're like, okay, just be on hold for me. You know, like that was, and then I really feel that those plants, when you tend to them, when you're harvesting, whether you sing or offer a string, a piece of your hair or your saliva or whatever your offering is, it's really important to have that 
as uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer says, the honorable harvest, where you're really respecting that, those plants wherever you're wildcrafting or in your backyard harvesting. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so before we move into more talking about your book, um, I would love to hear from you, like, why do you consider these tools, witchcraft, ritual herbalism, spellcrafting, right? How do you consider these to be ways that we can practice self-care? Okay, so I love this. I think witchcraft is such a blueprint for self-care. It is so empowering. And um, so I actually have like several, <laughs> I have 15 reasons that I think witchcraft is self-care. Um, so I'll run through a few. And then if you have questions, you can let me know. But I feel like one of the first things is that witchcraft involves what, what my mentor and what I called um, mental magic. So it's a creative visualization practice that once refined can help us reduce anxiety and worry. So the more that we sit at our, you know, with our intentions and our ritual and our affirmations or our manifestations or whatever we call them, the more that we learn to train our brain to focus on the dream versus the nightmare, then when we have other experiences that are perhaps painful in an emotional or physical way, we can learn to breathe through them in the same way that we breathe through our ritual focus during a sabbat. So that's, to me, one of the first things that gives us that power to shift our energy when we get into the sticky places. And the second reason is forging a connection between the natural and supernatural worlds invites help from others, increasing that feeling of belonging. So it, like we talked about, you know, there's this idea of, you know, with magic or ritual herbalism to include science and mystery. And so I've studied socioecology and I love Aldo Leopold, who writes in a sound county almanac that we are members of one life community. So when we see ourselves as a single member, not the dominant member, not the one that's supposed to, you know, steward nature, nature's doing a great job. You know, I live in the mountains. We got 10 back-to-back -back lizards. Nature has got it handled. <laughs> like, we just need to learn to like find that flow. And that's another thing is when as self-care, when we study the seasons and we live through the seasons so that in fall we release and in winter we rest, in spring we birth, in summer we bloom, that if we can align our intentions with that collective consciousness, then our work, our, our manifesting our life, what we co-create with the universe will be easier because of that. It's like, like when you were to step into a river and you'd want to go with the current, you're not going to try and fight it and then go, oh, I wonder why I ran into that rock. So it, it teaches us this and why it's self-care is because it's not, it's not abusive. It's abusive to try to fight the energy. It's self-abusive to eat foods that are bad for you. That'll make you running for the bathroom, like dairy or, or gluten or whatever it is, you know, it's in, so witchcraft teaches us to, to find that connective energy. And I believe too, that chanting and reciting incantations broadens our problem solving abilities by expanding the realm of possibilities there's just when we when we do that chanting we realize and we start to get into touch with oh this is what happens with our with our right brain it doesn't need all the how do we get there what's the hierarchy what are my steps it's just tapping into the feeling 
So every time we could do, every time we can do that, just tap into the feeling that we want. That's where the, that's when we will find ourselves from not manifesting to manifesting all the time. So the question isn't whether or not you can manifest. It's just where are you going to place your energy? And so, yeah, so I, I love that. I mean, I can, oh my gosh, let's see. I also believe it's really important to have a seasonal altar so that you have, like we have, like I have an ancestor altar that's up all year long. Sometimes we just put them up near Samhain. I keep mine up all year long because I need their help all year long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll do, I'll be doing that. But also a seasonal altar. My kids went to a Waldorf school and that pedagogy is very tied into animism so that they have no plastic toys. They don't watch TV. They, there's not, um, there's a lot more involvement with the seasons and it's, it's really important. I feel that like when we see that seasonal help, that seasonal idea, like right now we're recording in summertime, this will come out in fall, but as we're recording now is that time to bloom where you are planted because there's no flower that's been misplaced in nature. There's no, there's, you know, we might decide, well, it doesn't belong there because of whatever reason, but there's nothing, we're never misplanted. We're always on our path. And I feel like the other thing that witchcraft empowers us is because we are always our own best teacher. There's never a time when we aren't our own best teacher. And learning that level of autonomy is so important for a life well-lived, knowing that you really are crafting it. And I feel like knowing that imbues us with a sense of confidence, but also we're never alone. We're never alone in witchcraft. There are, there are allies everywhere, all the time, reaching out to us. And I feel that level of self-care, knowing that you are supported and held by a conscious universe is one of the most beautiful self-care practices of witchcraft. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so connective. I, one of the things I wrote about in my first book is um, that like one of the pillars of magic of spiritual practice is a connection to nature. And that really came from when I was first developing that system, it really came from, well, initially from myself, but then I had also done surveys of my audience. And the one thing that was like nearly universal. It felt like every single person said something about wanting to feel more connected to nature, wanting to feel more connected to the earth. And it was like, this is truly a pillar of this practice is like your practice, whatever it is, right? I think this applies so far outside of witchcraft too, but certainly within witchcraft is feeling connected to something bigger than yourself, especially in that tangible way that nature gives us, you know, we can really see it and experience it and interact with it. Yeah. I remember my um, mentor told me, she, I think she was speaking specifically about Wicca. So we'll, we'll say that now, but um, she said, it's a primarily an agricultural religion. It's, it's so much about, you know, we have our solstices and equinoxes, which follow the sun and all the other, the other four are the planting and harvesting. It was all about our own sustainability and, and finding, like you said, that connection. And I feel I'm also a body worker. So I also do Reiki and massage. And so I feel like the more connected we can be in our own bodies so that we can recognize when our wrist starts to hurt or whatever it is, a big toe that we don't just let it go. We ask ourselves, we ask our body, what are you telling me? What do I need to know? And that is the first step 
I believe, to having that connection with nature. So that way you actually do feel your feet on the earth. You do feel the wind blowing your hair. You really do feel that connection because you are in your body so much. And it is no longer a um, an enemy. Some people look at our bodies as enemies. And if you live in a pain body, I can imagine why that would be so. But otherwise, just trying to find some love for this vehicle that carries our spirit through the earth and that tangibleness of ourselves and what we put into our body and how, how we nourish it is going to help us connect to nature and the seasons more because we will feel it within us, not just in our head or like, okay, am I doing the right thing? You know, it's, you know, do you feel the butterflies? Do you feel the support? Can you feel the tingle of meeting a plant ally that maybe materializes in spirit form, you know, and what I remember long time ago, I was doing that. Um, it was in the Celestine prophecy. So it was a, it was a book long time ago that talked about putting your two fingers together, your four fingers together, and then moving them apart a little bit and looking for the waves of energy in between looking for the, just the, the light, in between the little cobwebs, the in between yourself. And in that moment, this green light shot around my finger, like covered it all. I started to see the beginning of my aura. And then I got super scared because I wasn't used to it. And so I jumped back and then suddenly I felt the presence of Pan and I didn't know who he was. I just felt this strong energy, part man, part nature, part fairy, just nothing I could understand. And the next day we, I met this woman who was telling us about the Findhorn Foundation, which is a beautiful um, center in Scotland where they pray to the deva or the, the plant spirit, the plant allies of their entire garden. And they grew these huge 10 foot tall foxgloves, 40 pound broccoli, just Alice in Wonderland garden. And none of the scientists could figure out what it was, but what the connection turned out to be was our attention, our respect, the reciprocity. That was the X factor. And talking to Pan, the, the spirit of vegetation and recognizing it and feeling it, feeling the goosebumps and not ignoring them, right? We'll be like, well, that's just crazy. It's like, well, that's fine. That's what we've been taught that we don't, that this isn't a communication or a language we could speak, but everyone speaks a vibrational language. Anyone can walk into a room and go, Ooh, bad dude, bad energy here. I need to leave. I don't like this. Or wow, this is a really loving environment. So if we can sense the energy of a room, we can listen and hear and respond to any vibrational language, no matter where it comes from, but knowing your body and knowing your go signs, whether your intuition comes from your gut, if you get chills in the back of your arm, hair raises at the top of your head, your feet go cold. It doesn't matter what the interpretation of your body is, as long as you know it, because it can show, it can show up differently for other people. And I think that's so important because a lot of times everyone's waiting for their gut to tell them but maybe it's their knees. <laughs> it could be come from anywhere, you know, and I, and knowing that and, and recognizing it. And then we build a muscle memory and a knowledge. I know you were talking earlier about muscle memory in one of your earlier podcasts is idea of what, what's repetitive and constant for us and how we can build that. And I feel like we can build that 
with our conversation with nature, when a feather floats down in front of us and we go, oh, I really need to lighten up. I should really not, maybe not be so upset with that person. And to really see that as, as a connection and a conversation, not something that isn't happening. And okay, where does that confirmation feel? Where am I feeling it in my heart? Where do I feel the confirmation that the universe is speaking to me and recognizing it and allowing that muscle memory and that muscle to grow? Because intuition is a muscle that we have to work with and develop and keep practicing our whole lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's so, it's so important because it's like, we first have to learn how does our intuition speak through us and what is that our own style of that? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, but then we also have to keep learning that it's not just a one and done, like, okay, now I know how this works. You know, it's, it's learning it for the first time and then continuing to practice it, continuing to stretch it and exercise it because, when we get out of touch with our intuition, which is very easy to do, there's so many other influences, so many other voices and factors that can influence us. Um, you know, if we if we know how our intuition speaks through us, it becomes easier to tap back in when that happens. But we still have to practice it. We still have to like anything in witchcraft. It's practice. Yes, absolutely, and it's going to look different because you know you, it feels one way to be a witch at 15 at Halloween. It's another thing at 25, another thing at 35, another thing at 50 or 70 or 85, because the longer we live this practice, the deeper it goes in and the more we feel it. So regardless of how early you might start with it, you still might have to go through puberty, motherhood, career changes, moving, all the different people dying, all the different experiences that you have. And then at each point, your intuition may shift a little, it may deepen, it may show up in a different place, but that's the constancy of this witchcraft practice is that it teaches us to embrace the change because we embrace the change of every season. So that's another level of it self-care because now we aren't going to fight as much the changes in our lives because we've seen it year after year by following the wheel of a year, not just as different celebrations, but as meditation points on the mandala of nature. I love that. I love that. So, okay. Tell us a little bit more about the book. So where did this newest book come from for you? Okay. So this is true, true magic, I believe. Um, so I was on a book signing tour in Santa Cruz for the book of spells. And, you know, as we do, we go get readings from time to time, you know, like, okay, I'm on this beginning of the path. Now, now I need a little help because I'm too clouded to maybe see for myself. And so in this reading, the gentleman said, oh, there's this woman who showed up. Oh, she, she starts describing my mentor. She's got short hair. She's got, she's got cat-like eyes. I'm like, oh, that was my Wiccan mentor. She crossed 15 years ago. And he said, oh, well, she would like you to get a picture of her because she wants to go on your next book signing tour. And so you know how it is as witches, you know, witches, we just, we get a message from spirit. We go, okay. And we just start doing it like, you know, do, 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 do. we don't know what's coming. We just know that spirit has guided us for whatever little new path we're heading down. And so I, I put a message out to Facebook and my mentor's daughter 
Alexa. So my mentor's name is Connie DeMasters and Alexa, her daughter said, um, here's a picture. She sent me a picture of her mama. And I thought, oh, this picture is so fabulous. She looks like such, she's such a crazy cat woman, wild, just she kick your ass, um, kind of lady. But, um, in any case, so I got the picture and I framed it. And then a couple months later, Alexa said, you know, would you like my mom's curriculum and her education? I'm like, sure. So of course I do. She consults the entire family. And because what had happened was this was the beginning of the pandemic. Everyone was cleaning out everything. So she sends me 23 pounds of her mom's education, including like 1971 ESP Institute newsletter to the School of Wicca coursework, again, from the early 70s through, like we did a lot of plays in the 90s for like the Sabbats, some plays um, acted out for the, for like, you know, you're the Holly King, you're the Oak King, you're, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Um, and handwritten, uh, what was that? A handwritten hand fasting ritual, so many yummy things. And I thought, well, this is great, but I don't know what to do with it you know? And so it sat there for a year and a half. And finally I heard Connie say to me in her deep and husky voice, tell them about us. And I thought, oh, mentorship, sitting with someone who's walked the path in front of you. She was 20 years, my senior. And even though I had had two books out at that time, there was still challenges of how do I apply, you know, the, the, energy of Lunasa to my failing marriage? How do I, how do I apply these lessons of herbal correspondences with how to parent young boys? Like, how do I apply this though? How do I live it? And so I, I thought, you know what, that's what I'll do. I wrote. So what I did is I took the book and I divided it into 12 chapters based on the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, this idea that we answer a call to adventure, we develop, we find our allies, and we discover um, who our mentor is, and we go through a series of challenges until we finally awaken to and bring back to our society, our, our community, the Holy Grail, which is our own divine essence. That, that chalice of self-knowledge is what we bring back after we've gone through a hero's journey. So I place the book on this structure, and then each chapter is narration about how do we live, how do we answer the call to adventure, how do we engage in ritual herbalism or the wheel of the year, and then each chapter is a meeting with my mentor of me sitting at her knee, asking her questions about this, because I want people to see that this craft, this lifestyle, we're always learning. And even after having a couple of books to our name, to not having 10 books to your name, having a mentor is still important. Having someone who can walk, the, who's walked the path ahead of you and can reflect back on you, the goodness they see in, in you and where they see your holes, your spirit holes, where you need to challenge yourself. And so it's a love story. It's a love story to all our mentors. It's a love story to the magic that maybe we haven't all activated yet to be as big, to take that ownership, that this is your one crazy life. And how are you going to live it? Because you do get to choose. A lot of time we some of us might get stuck on the, on the pity train and that's okay. And that happens where life takes us down one time after the other. And it's too hard to see how to walk out of it. That's what a mentor is for is to show you the path that they've already macheted clean for you. 
And that's, you know, we're the witches who have been here from the seventies and on onwards and the, they've wedged open a door that we're all kicking down now. You know, my, my last book, the book of spells was in target. I mean, I know now that's a thing, but geez, that was not a thing 23 years ago when I first came out, it was not a thing. I was accosted. I had my books, you know, I had people say horrible things to me when, when you're standing up there and, and threaten you and scare you. But I kept coming back for this day, for this day, right here, right now, where there are uh, there are podcasts on being an empowered modern witch, because that's a thing, because there's an audience and you are listening. That's why we're here. And, and that's what the struggle was for, was just to elevate for me, the divine feminine, the goddess energy, because it has become so far out of whack to consider God could be a she, to start pushing that so that we could get to that point of equality, so we could find that fluidity where we can be both. And, uh, and along the way, we get to collect shiny things, crystals and herbs and drums and wands and, <laughs> and have fun. We get to have a shit ton of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. That is so special about how that this new book came to be like, that's just to have all of that information. I mean, anytime you come across you know, books or newsletters or handwritten astrology charts or any of that. It's just so special to have all of that just like delivered to you. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And now she's going on a book tour with me, you know, like she gets to do what she wanted to do. She wanted to come on a book tour. She's on this book tour and she's on it as, as a guided mentor, someone who as she was Greek, she was a yaya, you know, she's, she has the grandmother energy. And the crazy thing is that I am her age now that I sat with her. So like the, the full circle of it. And, you know, my first, or, or I mean, the second book was the teen spell book. I wrote all about my, the pain as a teenager that I felt so disconnected to my own lovability and my own sense of worth. I knew one day I was going to write about the thirties. I knew one day I was going to write about what does it mean? I met her when I was 33, our master year, you know, and coming out of our first Saturn's return, you know, with supposedly all our stuff together, finally, (laughs) but at least picking up the pieces after Saturn knocked it all down, you know, and, and moving forward and having someone to help me learn where to place my scaffolding. I just find it so empowering and important. And of course you have to have discernment. You don't just you know, take on anyone or anyone's energy. It's got to feel like this is a person who's going to help you be better and it will be uncomfortable, but it should never, should always feel right. I think that's really important to empower people as they do look for mentors or maybe consider one, you know, how do you test them out? You know, you could do all kinds of things from muscle testing to just feeling inside yourself And just know that it's going to be uncomfortable as they push you to grow, but it should always feel right. Like you're calling yourself home. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's like, it's become so important because we do have so much access, you know, like you were saying about like Barnes and Noble and Target and all these places where our books are now, which is just so wild. I, I've told this story probably a thousand times on the podcast, so I'll be quick about it, but (laughs) everyone has heard it. But, um, when my first book came out in 2020, you know, I couldn't go see it in bookstores for the first several months it was out. 
Um, And so when I finally did get to go to Barnes and Noble and go find my book on the shelf, you know, I walked in and um, our section had always been upstairs, Um, you know, not quite in the far back corner, but, you know, kind kind of in a corner, right? Yeah. And so I walked upstairs, you know, I knew right where it would be, right? I mean, I'd been going to that section for years and I walked upstairs and I went to the section and it was gone. I don't even remember what was there. It was like, you know, U.S. history or something. And I was like, where, where is it? And I looked around and I was like, and so I, I went downstairs and I don't remember if I actually had to ask someone or if someone I was with found it or I don't remember, but they had moved the whole witchy, magical, new age, tarot, et cetera, section <laughs> downstairs, right by the front door. I had walked right past it. hadn't even noticed because I was on a mission to go find my book. And there was my book like right there, right by the front door. And it was you know, it was like four times the size of a section it had ever been. Um, and it was just wild. So, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, with how many more years you've been writing books, like how, what that feels like. Cause it's just, it's wild and magical. it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was part, it, and I've watched it change over the years, right? Like there was never this big of a section before it was all part of a cult. And it was all, like, it was a whole, but also we hadn't diversified as much. We hadn't diversified our offerings. It was a lot of straight up stuff. You know, Wicca was primarily the witchcraft option. And um, there wasn't a special section for Tarot. There wasn't only any of these special sections that there are today. And I find that so inspiring that witches are so much more included, you know, or people can ask the question, okay, what is Wicca? What is it? Tell me, you know, and I, from the very beginning, because when the Wicca cookbook came out in 2000, the one thing that was happening coinciding at the same time was the farm to table movement. So the, the farm to fork or farm to table movement was just growing. Alice Waters was taught what had her Chez Panisse, her, her restaurant where they had the, um, growing their produce or herbs in the backyard. Like that was brand new. So what I did is I introduced Wicca through seasonality of eating because you have to find an access point. You, I mean, as frustrating, as frustrating as it is for us to not be able to just speak our language and just say the esoteric mysterious things that we want to say and talk about retrogrades, like, doesn't everyone know, you know, (laughs) that a lot of people don't know. And so when I began, that's what I would say is there's, we've realized now that when we eat foods in season, they have a higher vibrancy and more life force. And therefore they have more medicinal value for us and food can be medicine. That was all brand new 23 years ago. And so to talk about that as an entry point and say, witchcraft and Wicca follow these seasons as a guide to living our lives. So it's very similar to eating seasonally and people could go, Oh, I mean, one time I was on a, back in the day when we had radio interviews instead of podcast interviews, I was on the radio and I was sitting next to a woman who was a bat expert. She, she had a bat with her and she was, cause it was Halloween time. So you know, so let's talk about bats and witches. And so, so that's, that's what she did. And then I was describing, you know, what it means for me to live a witch, uh, a witchy life, you know, just in terms of being connected, being aware, being as present as possible, listening for the 
um, omens and messages from nature and the cosmos and aligning with the, with the collective consciousness regarding nature and the seasons. And she goes, I think I'm a witch. Like she was so, she was so shocked. She's like, do that, you know? And I said, well, there's a reason it was called the nameless arts for so long. You know, we, we were just living it, but we weren't always allowed to express it. And we had to find, that's why our herbs have different names because we had to keep changing the folk names. So they couldn't pick up on the fact that we were healing ourselves and each other. They wanted to funnel us towards doctors, funnel us towards the powers that be. And witchcraft is all about taking that power back. And, and, and that's why I love to be part of this community. And we, and we also believe for the most part that a rising tide lifts all boats. So I can help you. You can help me. It, we don't, it doesn't take away from light to, to light somebody else's candle. Right. And I believe that that's a shared feeling for, for most witches, of course. And then people go, well, are there bad witches? And I say, well, are there bad Mexicans? Are there bad Jews? Are there bad white people? Are there bad? Like, of course there's good and bad of everybody. But one time years ago, I was at a um, Celtic festival because the Celtic festival is where I first signed my books. It was the first place that I could go to because the Irish, the Scottish, the Celts, they're, they're either pagan or Catholic. It's one or the other and both do ritual. So and usually both. <laughs> and usually both. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. And so, but one time I had my teen spell book out there and this gal, this mom comes up to me and she goes, does this mean my daughter's going to cast spells on me? And, you know, today I was just so over being poked and prodded by this point. I said to her, do you deserve it? You know, I don't know. Do you, you know? And I said, you know, if she lights a candle to your demise, you have the opportunity to engage in that energy or let it move past you. It's your option because nobody is more connected to spirit than you. Everyone has the same access to the creative source. And if you're afraid that your daughter is casting spells on you, this book is not your problem. You know, your relationship is where you need to tend. And um, this book is about becoming whole. This book is about seeing our wholeness and seeing our empowered self and living life as if we are the goddess or God incarnate because we are. And so, you know, there, there is, there is misconceptions, but we are growing stronger. We're at the front of the, the store. Now we're in the mainstream, you know, we don't have to hide it. And, but we do need to be careful when we talk to people and find their language. I, I'll say one of my favorite new things. I, I, I said it, someone asked me like, why do you call yourself a witch? This is in a local, um, taco Tuesday. I live in a very small town. So everyone knows each other. Right. So she's like, why do you call yourself a witch? And I said, why do you call yourself a woman? Like I am what I am. I, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a unicorn. You know, I said, I'm, I'm claiming to be a wise person because I follow the seasons. That's the wisdom is in me following the seasons because the word witch, like Wicca come from the word witcha, which means wise. And we are wise when we follow the seasons. And we are wise that when, it's fall. We let go of what no longer serves us because we're going into winter. So we need to slough off as much of those negative thoughts that we can so that we don't go into the dark of winter thinking that we are a selfish person because we held a boundary. 
We have to let that stuff go. And so, and then I said to her, she goes, well, what about spells? Do you do spells? I said, of course. So do you, every time you speak, you do a spell. Every time you speak, you do a spell. I said, but a spell is really a prayer in 3d. And I said, you know, it's a wonderful life where she picks up at the end of that housewarming ceremony and she's got the, the salt, the wine and the bread. And she says this salt so that you will always know flavor, this bread so you will never know hunger, this wine so you'll always know joy and prosperity. That's a spell. They're everywhere. It's everywhere. We've just decided to silo it and making it separate. But it's really this contigu contiguous part of our lives that's woven into everything, everyday rituals, putting away the dishes, cleaning, uh, sweeping your floor can be getting rid of what no longer serves you physically, mentally, spiritually, cleaning your windows, the same thing. Any household chore or mundane act can be turned into a ritual so that you're living this magic every single day. And that miracles become not expected in a way that like, oh, darn it, I didn't see a miracle today. But when it comes you welcome it just like you would welcome a fresh rain and you, and you enjoy it. And then the other thing is to maintain our sense of wonder. I think that is so important for this path to always be amazed by the connection, by the beauty of the other witches that are in the, the show podcast with you to see their light and to want to reflect and shine it out and help, help each other find our own empowerment and our own path to it. Oh, so good. So good. So beautiful. Like you can definitely tell you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so beautifully <Yeah>. said. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that story about the woman realizing like, maybe I'm a witch. Um, yes. cause I think that's happened so much recently, you know, yes. like people just realizing as they actually start to hear more about what these practices are all about, uh, which happened so much during the pandemic, especially, um, just so much. Exploded. And people just really realizing like, oh, like these are actually things I've always done, or these are things I've always been interested in, or, you know, I've always noticed or had this awareness and I didn't know that I could do more with it. I mean, that's in so many ways, that's how I came to this path, you know, mm -hmm. was realizing like, oh, like there, there are words to describe the things I do, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I think that's really all it is. That's all we do as teachers and mentors and podcasters is, you know, kind of wake people up and be like, Hey, that thing you're doing, there's a word for it, you know, and, and there's more that you can be doing too, you know? Yeah. And there's people who do it also with you. I feel like we've been felt so ostracized to think that we're weird and wrong and strange to speak to plants and crystals and, you know, and pictures of, of people who are gone, you know, that, but at the same time, that word weird, when it's spelled W-Y-R-D, that's faded. That's, this was our destiny to follow this path that all of our choices do determine what our life looks like. That's what's weird. That's W-Y-R-D. And to recognize those patterns and to recognize our influence is, I think, the beginning of becoming a witch. I love that. So awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I know we could just keep going. So, <laughs> so, so good. I know this is going to be our only conversation, luckily. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Can you just tell people a little bit about where they can find you and your work and your books? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a website, jamiedella.com. And I always spell it because people aren't sure J-A-M-I-E. 
And then Della, as in Diva, D-E-L-L-A, because.com. And you can get my, I have a newsletter that goes out on the new and the full moon with free rituals and other ideas of how to live seasonally. You know, sometimes often combining it with the astrology, because that was a big part of our lives. I mean, astrology, numerology, that's how we chose houses. Astrology, my mom was a Leo, but she, I was a Capricorn. She's like, no, I think you're actually on the cusp. I'm going to raise you like a Sag. So it's all, I always include astrology because it was always part of me. And, uh, and then Jamie Della writes on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Uh, so thank you so much for having me here. I've loved having this conversation with you. Yeah. So good. All right. We'll definitely go get Jamie's new book. Um, and we'll see you guys for the next episode. As always, thanks for listening to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. I'm Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Lupin Hollow, and it's my pleasure to be your host. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Much love from Lupin Hollow.